to the second episode of the Sports Scoop podcast. Um, this episode is going to be, we would say, a bite-sized episode because I feel with the current resources I have available to me and the current time constraints I have available to me, I feel I can produce more for the audience with like smaller bite-sized episodes rather than long 40-minute episodes because with those long episodes... They're an effort to produce. It's an incredible effort to speak for 40 minutes without maybe someone occupying you there. So I feel maybe for whenever I do produce 40 minute episodes in the future, they will be an interview based episode rather than like, let's say a solo episode, because I feel it's incredibly difficult to occupy an audience for 40 minutes, especially on your own. And I feel that's why it's absolutely crucial that I, I need to ask people on onto this podcast for an interview. So I think without further ado, um, let's let's dive into our topic for today's episode, and that is, um, Champions League predictions. If anyone is unaware of the Champions League, it's the elite um football competition for um European clubs. The majority of the clubs who participate in this um, European competition are elite clubs. They are amongst the best clubs in European football. But there are also, there are also a few wild cards, as we'd say, um, who obviously enter the competition every every year, and they obviously they obviously have like make their level best efforts to create a nuisance for those elite clubs, and they aren't just qualified as world cards they are actually amongst the best football clubs in their respective country and you need to obviously balance the include the teams you include in the competition so yeah okay you could have like create a competition where all of the best teams are are included but it's only from maybe let's say four or five countries. Let's say for example if you you include teams from England, Germany, Spain, Italy, France, that's five countries and you include the best team from all those countries and then you get a like a competition of a very high standard. But that leaves out the remaining teams in Europe and the remaining nations in Europe feeling aggrieved and feeling left out and those those teams maybe could contribute in, in a certain way that the other teams can't and that is by creating an upset and maybe performing to a level that people didn't expect them to, to perform and I think that's maybe the beauty of European football and the beauty of the Champions League is that it's not a league competition where your ability is tested over 38 games it is they are only one legged or two legged contests, and some of those two legged contests, when we reach the knockout stages, can be won in the first leg, like due to like a high aggregate score. So I feel it's it's that that is why we enjoy the Champions League so much. It's because there there isn't that like like t- if you want to win the Premier League or a league or anywhere in the footballing world, you need to display your ability for 38 games 
or in some cases maybe 46 or 36 or 34, whatever the regulations are in your country. And you need to display a high level of football and capacity for those for those amount of games. But in the Champions League, you don't. And we can get some absolutely beautiful moments and get some beautiful stories. I think the most recent example would be Ajax um, in 2019, whenever they were expected to probably leave the competition in the group stages or let's say in the round of 16. But they obviously pulled off a shock up upset in the round of 16, beating the champions at the time, Real Madrid. And they moved on and they beat Juventus in the quarterfinals who were considered one of the favourites for the competition. But they persevered and they advanced to the semi-finals where they won the f- they were victorious in the first leg against Spurs and they looked set to face like to, like to advance to the final against Liverpool, who that year made a special comeback of their own against Barcelona. And it looked like Ajax were gonna get their chance to play in a final with like Europe's one of Europe's greatest teams. But barring only a comeback from Spurs in, in like the last number of minutes, Ajax would have been in a European final. And who knows what would have happened because, like to be honest, Spurs didn't turn up in that final in 2019. They were outperformed by Liverpool on that day. So <clears throat> maybe if Ajax turned up, Ajax like obviously qualified, could we could it have been a different story? Like who knows? And but we also need to bear in mind, Spurs making that final was an upset. It wasn't expected. They were expected to probably make the knockout stages, maybe the quarterfinals, maybe the semi-finals, if things were incredibly successful, but not the final. So that was inc- incredibly successful for Spurs too. So we also need to bear that in mind. But I feel. I've outlined the competition for my audience now. Now, now I think it's it's only fishing that I move on to my predictions for the tournament for this season. And obviously, um, I hope you guys um all enjoy it. Anyway, um, I think let's let's obviously address the elephant in the room. Who do I think will win the competition? Um, there are. A numer- numerous teams, let's say, involve, let's say, in with a chance of, of let's say, winning the Champions League this year. Obviously, you have, I think, who people consider the favourites at the moment, Paris Saint-Germain, obviously, a huge summer, of, like, for them, obviously, with their transfers, Messi, Ramos, Donnarumma, Hakimi, Vinaldum. I could go on, but they've had an absolutely huge summer transfer-wise and they're an incredibly strong side even before the transfers with the likes of Neymar, Mbappe, Verratti. Like, the list goes on. They they are an incredible team and I feel they're always in with a chance of winning the Champions League. Despite the fact the record in the Champions League, I I don't think it's... It's favourable. They've they've yet to win the Champions League or the European Cup as it was known in the past. And they've obviously they came close, let's say, in two thousand and twenty. 
obviously in that incredibly awkward pandemic final where they did where they did look like they stood a chance against the, the champions Bayern that year. They did look like they they stood like a valid chance of winning that game and winning that final. But obviously fate struck against them and they were unfortunate that day. Um, Bayern were champions and I think Bayern deserves their victory that year and I don't think anyone could, could debate how worthy champions Bayern were but PSG pushed, pushed them to their limits that year and I think we were all thankful for that considering how let's say how sombre and how just just how awkward it felt to to experience such a, a match of such magnitude in a pandemic. So yeah, they're always in with a chance. Then obviously Man City, um, obviously they they came ever so close last year. Obviously they have an incredible squad. They could probably name two two squads of I think let's say very good to world class players and they're always in with a chance, obviously, with, with the, the game changers they have in their team, with the likes of De Bruyne and Grealish and Bernardo Silva. I could go on, but they have like an incredible number of world-class players who can change the game for them on, on their day, but it's a similar issue to PSG. They're, they struggle to produce the goods, on the important days, and it is those important days where you do have to produce the goods, and you do have to turn up and obviously make make the audience aware of your ability. And then obviously, and we we'll need to, I think we we'll need to address the twenty nineteen champions, um, Liverpool. They are ironically the team I support, and I feel Liverpool have a, I think an an incredible chance of winning it this year. It feels like. They can they do from the games we've watched earlier in this season. They seem like they can they can face off against like Europe's elite when in, in let's say in like a one on one game, not just a as you would say like let's say like a leg to leg contest, they can do it one on one too and they can just they can savor the moment. And they do have an incredible squad. They probably have arguably the best player in the world in Mo Salah. Probably the best defender in the world of Virgil van Dijk. I think Alison Becker is up there amongst the world's best goalkeepers. He obviously have two of the best fullbacks with Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. The midfield, it's probably the weakest, the weakest position of the team. It probably... It, it lacks the most depth out of all the other positions, probably thanks to the the departure of, we would say, stall, club stalwart um, Jorginho Vinaldum over the summer. So obviously due, due to circumstances surrounding that transfer, um, the midfield for Liverpool is, is slightly thin at the moment, but they do have top-class players there too. Obviously Fabinho, captain Jordan Henderson, Thiago, Naby Keita, Curtis Jones. So the Liverpool squad is incredible and they definitely have an incredible chance of winning it this year for the seventh time in their history. And 
they have all the components in place. It's just, it's down to them what level they can reach this year and what level the other teams can reach. So I don't think there's anything else that, I don't think there's any barriers between Liverpool and Champions League glory this year other than their own performances and the other teams around them. And now I think we need to address the champions, Chelsea. I think they are definitely in with a chance. What a well-structured side with incredible depth. Like, they, Chelsea, they don't really have a significant game-changer. People may debate how Romelu Lukaku is, but he is to a degree, but I wouldn't say he's, like, a rounded, 100% out-and-out game-changer who completely revolutionises the game. But they're an incredibly well-structured side. And there doesn't seem to be, like, let's say, a significant amount of problem areas, implications, weak points. It seems like Chelsea are just an incredibly strong squad overall. Like, their defence is incredibly strong with the likes of Rudiger, Christensen... Reese James, Alonso, Chilwell, Aspilicueta, Mendy in the goal. They also have another great backup in Kepa. Like the like the depth there is incredible. Also in the attack, they have a wealth of options to choose there. Like they have Lukaku, Werner, Pulisic, Zayek, Havertz. The list goes on. They have an incredible amount of ability like present in their squad at the moment. And it's it's also, and that can be very beneficial for them in an injury crisis. But it's also beneficial for them when players lose form. They've, like, they have a large number of options to choose from, which is always beneficial whenever you're trying to juggle your fortunes in the league and trying to obviously create create time for to compete in European Europe's elite like club competition and also trying to compete in the club competition in the cup competitions I apologize it can be incredibly difficult to as you would say prepare that one squad for that large amount of games on a regular basis but Chelsea have that like significant amount of players that they can prepare a squad for let's say two or three games a week they are capable of that and their manager Thomas Tuchel he is capable of that he set obviously he forms a stern defense not an incredibly potent attack but it's built off a stern defense and it feels like Chelsea are good at persevering. They're good at enduring. They are an incredibly tough. They're an incredibly strong team, who you seem who aren't enjoyable to play against because it feels like they will. They will, like absolutely work to their, the maximum of their ability to win to win a football match or to at least bring home a respectable result. And that's what, play, and considering the depth they have in their squad and the quality they have, that can make Chelsea incredibly, 
incredibly hard to beat. Now I think it's fishing that we move on to Bayern Munich, who were the champions of 2020. Yeah, Bayern Munich are are still in, are still one of the top teams in European football. Maybe the the, the twenty maybe in twenty twenty one they probably be. I I'd say they feel slightly aggrieved after their disappointing exit into to the tournament against PSG in the quarterfinals. Considering they were considered one of the favorites to win that win that tournament, and they could, they just they simply did not produce over those two legs, and they were they and unfortunately for them. They, they exited at the quarterfinal and it was seen as a huge disappointment for Bayern, a huge embarrassment. And obviously that was a difficult stumbling block for them that they have probably tried to overcome this summer. Obviously, there, there was a change in the manager position over the summer. Obviously, Hansi Flick took up a new role as Germany national team manager. Julian Nagelsmann um, from Norby Leipzig came in to replace Flick. They brought in two new signings with in the name of Dio Upamecano and Marcel Sabatizer. The attack is still incredibly strong. Obviously, Lewandowski, Sane, or I apologize, Sane does not play for Bayern anymore. Lewandowski, Nabry, Coleman. The list goes on. Also, a significant amount of depth in the midfield. A significant amount of depth in the in the in the defense. Significant amount of defense in the goal in depth in the goalkeeper position in the name of Manuel Neuer and Sven Ulrich. Bayern is an incredibly they have an incredibly deep squad, and they also have a a number of versatile players who can play in in multiple positions, which. Which obviously helps whenever you have, whenever you also are working through an incredibly demanding schedule, or you're playing through an injury crisis, and you do need players who can, who have that ability and who can offer versatility, but also you need depth, and they have both of them in abundance. They have players like Alfonso Davies, Benjamin Pavard, Lucas Hernandez. Joshua Kimmich, who's a talismanic figure for them, they can play in different positions, and that can be incredibly beneficial for them. Whenever, whenever, whenever they are obviously enduring difficult periods, and I think that's one of the main reasons why Bayern are definitely a force to be reckoned with this season in the Champions League, and I don't think Bayern should be underestimated. For a minute, to be honest with you, I think they are an incredible team who have every chance of obviously becoming European champions this year. Now, obviously, I've now named my candidates for to become a potential champion of this competition, and now I think it's fitting now to name um, my two finalists and the two teams I think will compete for in the final for um European football's greatest prize in May in Moscow.
So without further ado, the two finalists who I think will be competing for the crown of the Champions League in May of 2022 in Moscow are Liverpool FC and Bayern Munich. And I think without further ado, um, why not I confirm, confirm to my audience who I believe will be the champion in May of next year. I believe it will be Liverpool. And I think now, obviously I've introduced Liverpool and I've introduced Bayern Munich, but now I feel it's fitting for me to, to explain why I feel Liverpool may be a level above Bayern Munich this year. And why Bayern Munich may struggle to maintain Liverpool on that incredibly significant day in Moscow in May of 2022. So I think we need to, <clears throat> I think it's just the natural ability Liverpool have, Liverpool have in their ranks. Obviously I have Mo Salah who is arguably the best player in world football at the moment. Virgil van Dijk is arguably the best defender. Alison Becker is arguably one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world at the moment. And the ability is, is just... Liverpool do not have a shortage of just natural ability in their team. It's evident the large amount of natural ability they possess. Obviously, we're aware of um, Alexander-Arnold, Matic, Alec Robertson... Fabinho, Thiago, Firmino, Mane, Jota, all these players who are incredibly talented and Liverpool have it in abundance and considering like the manager they have in Jurgen Klopp who is an incredibly talented manager himself it's I, th I feel it's the match made in heaven because they have that manager who's incredibly talented and who has incredible social skills and incredible management skills and incredible delegation skills which obviously enables players to fulfill their potential especially players who are of an incredible talent and obviously top skills enables them to reach that world-class level and that is not what can make Liverpool incredibly difficult to play against because it feels like players, they're forever improving under Jurgen Klopp. You never really reach a prime level. There, there's always a new level under Jurgen Klopp. There's always a new standard, a new, a new expectation. There, it seems like Liverpool are never satisfied with just one title, and that will satisfy them for like the, the remainder of, of their period together as a group they feel incredibly motivated to motivated to, to improve themselves as players to improve Liverpool as a team and also Jurgen Klopp is incredibly motivated to improve himself as a manager and I feel whenever you have that incredible talent and that incredible motivation it can just be incredibly difficult to break down especially especially on we would say significant occasions. It's it's very rare where Liverpool do not turn up in the in the important matches. Obviously, we would say in the past Liverpool 
struggled to turn up in important matches. But as of late, they tend to always turn up in important matches and always tend to display their maximum of ability in those important games. And it's been evident for a number of years now. And I think that is one of the main reasons Liverpool have won numerous titles. They have, they have obviously, they have shown their performance level in significant games. And that has obviously given them a psychological edge over the opposition on numerous occasions. And that is obviously one of the main reasons why I think they will be European champions again this year. It's because maybe sometimes they may struggle with consistency, but they always turn up in games whenever it's demanded of them to turn up. And now I think we... Obviously, Bayern are, incredib- are an incredibly tough cookie to crack, but I, I just don't think they have the same natural talent in the ranks as Liverpool. They obviously have some incredible players, some incredible... Uh, uh, like I've, I think I've ex- explained in depth how highly I think of Bayern Munich and I don't think I would have placed them in the final if I didn't think incredibly highly of them. But I think it's just they don't... It's just that rare talent. I, I think it's just incredible, obviously, going back to Liverpool, how much... Obviously, how much incredible rare talent has all of a sudden managed to all pull into one group together. It's it's almost a miracle how how much incredible talent has all all as you would say all all come together to to come to obviously work in one group and it's just down to the recruitment team at Liverpool who've made some incredible decisions over the last number of years but obviously we've given Liverpool enough glory now I think it's also we need to obviously display in depth why I think where I think Bayern's shortcomings are compared to Liverpool I don't think they have the same adaptation as Liverpool to important games I don't think they And and I just don't think they have that incredible talent to let's say we would say progress to that next level on the in such a quick time frame which Liverpool are capable of, are capable of. But I don't think Bayern are quite capable of that at the moment. And I feel it'll, it's just simple. It will be this final will be decided on fine margins if it materialises throughout the competition but I think it is just those fine margins where Liverpool have the edge and it is just maybe natural talent with some of their talismanic players and this adaptation to matches, how you adapt to a game, how you grow into a game and I feel this is where Liverpool have the edge and this is where I feel they will they will take the prize in May of 2022 against Bayern Munich. Now I think, obviously, we've decided our winner. We've decided our runner-up. Now I think it's only fitting to decide our surprise package of the tournament. And I think that can be none other than Moldovan side, Sheriff Tiraspol. They've been incredible since they arrived in the Champions League. They've been an incredible joy to watch. A combination of passion, work rate, 
talent, courage. It, it's moving to watch. It's incredible to watch for a neutral fan. And I honestly hope they obviously remain in the competition for as long as they possibly are capable of remaining. They've obviously come through with two surprise victories against Shakhtar Donetsk and Null, and obviously European superpower Real Madrid. And I think and I have a feeling that they will advance from the group and make it to the round of sixteen of this competition, which will be an incredible achievement for Sheriff considering the standards of teams they have drawn in this tournament. But I feel considering the performances of Real Madrid, Inter and Shakhtar Donetsk, and considering we would say the huge improvements in Sheriff's performances, I feel this is this may be the year that Sheriff can, we would say, grasp this opportunity to make the knockout stages. And I think maybe like stun European football. And But we also need to remember the round of 16 might, might not just be how far they might go. The world's your oyster when you make, when you obviously, we would say, make it that far. You can make it to a quarterfinal, a semifinal. I know that is unrealistic when we're, obviously living in Sheriff's perspective, but there's always that, there's always a minor chance that Sheriff are capable of an upset of that magnitude. And I'm just, as a neutral football fan, but also a Liverpool fan, but I also have a passion for football in general. I am just, I feel a great deal of excitement of watching of watching Sheriff every round in the Champions League, I I, I find it incredibly enjoyable. I, f- I find incredible pleasure of watching Sheriff, and just watching this incredible story unfold, and I, I I really like I honestly I really really hope this story continues for as long as it possibly can because it could, it could really go down as one of the incredible fairy st- fairy tale stories in European football. Now I think we've obviously we've we've introduced the favourites to win the competition. We've introduced who the potential champions and runners up. We've introduced the surprise package, and now I think it's only fitting that we produce the we obviously introduced the top scorer and also player of the tournament. I feel this player has reached a level where they are incredibly exceptional that I feel their exploits in front of goal and just on the pitch in general warrant them to clinch the player of the tournament award. And I feel that killer instinct they have in front of goal at the moment, I think it's only a given they'll they'll clinch the top scorers prize. And I think if you are a football fan to any any degree, I think you are all aware who I'm talking about, and that's and that's and that can only be one player. It's Mo Salah of Liverpool. He is he is just in incredible form at the moment, and it would just be almost impossible to think at the moment. Maybe circumstances could change in a number of months, but it almost feels impossible to. To write to write him off, or even to 
to even compare him to another player for this prize, I feel Mo Salah is head and shoulders above above any player in his position at the moment. Like he can do play, things that other players cannot produce at the moment. And it's just incredible to watch. And he's done it in the past and he's doing it now. And he's gonna do it in the future. And it, it it it's it's just it's it's incredible to watch because I know as a Liverpool fan I'm witnessing history I'm witnessing like an, I'm witnessing an icon I'm watching one of the greatest players ever to play for this club I'm potentially one of the greatest ever players to ever play the game right in front of me every week it's incredible to watch and I feel it feels like. Defenders are looking for answers how, of how to stop Mo Salah at the moment. But Mo Salah is always 10 steps ahead. His incredible work rate, his incredible effort, his incredible endeavour. He's always ten, he's always a step ahead of the defenders. It feels like he's almost intuitive where he, he can almost predict where defenders are going to go. He can almost predict the actions of defenders. And the thing is... Defenders can't predict his actions. And I feel it's just his perform his performances are summed up by incredible work rate, talent, physical physical fitness, and footballing IQ, which in Salah's case has grown over a number of years now. Let's say maybe in the 2017 or 18, when Salah was a younger player in his mid-20s. He was an incredibly potent goal scorer, but his footballing IQ, as let's say in Premier League terms or, cha or in Champions League terms, was was still building. It was still it, he was still we would say working on that segment of his game. He was relative relatively inexperienced in the in the Premier League and in European football, but. I think now as as time has progressed and Salah has gained more experienced experience at the greatest stage, he feels like he has almost every tool in the box to to produce like those like as you would say iconic performances almost every week. Obviously, it's impossible for a player to produce the, produce a performance of the, of that magnitude every week but he can produce those performances four or five times a season and I think without doubt he'll per, like produce a performance of the ages this season in the Champions League and probably in other competitions as well and I feel it's just there doesn't seem he's just an incredibly complete player and there just doesn't seem to be a weakness and I feel it's it, it, I almost sympathise for defenders who have to play against Mo Salah because it must just be incredibly hard. It must be incredibly challenging. And obviously the criticism you would obviously be a victim to after a game, you must feel incredibly hard done by because they're probably putting in an incredibly valiant efforts to defend against one of the greatest players in the world but it's just he is always a step ahead and it must be 
I think on the we would say the that that level of irritation that must must just be near impossible to live with on a football pitch. And I think that's what makes makes Mo Salah incredibly it, it's just what makes him unstoppable because he, he's also incredibly strong mentally and it feels like defenders they that will affect them psychologically. Let's say they obviously are involved in a duel with Mo Salah and they come out second best. They will they will feel aggrieved, they'll feel angry, they'll feel frustrated and their emotions will get the better of them. The let's say next time around they obviously they obviously clash with Salah and that's and that and whenever you let's say whenever you let whenever let's say you open the door to emotion as a footballer the majority of time you will come off second best and I and I feel that's what makes Salah incredible like it just makes him just such a challenge to play against. But what a joy it must be for for his teammates. And what a joy it must be him to to achieve to achieve what he is achieving at the moment. And I and I feel like not only in congratulate him him, Mo Salah himself, his teammates, his coaches, all the people who've played a part to create the absolute icon of a player and person he is and I feel we can all as football fans we can only be thankful for for the talents of Salah and the people of, around him who have created in footballing terms a monster but off the pitch an incredible humble person so I think we've obviously some we've obviously maybe in a 25 30 minute period we've probably summed up the let's say that we've probably summed up or previewed um the let's say the European Cup or otherwise known as the Champions League for this season I'm obviously trying to adapt to as you would say create shorter episodes so we've probably let's say surpassed the time limit slightly my throat is feeling slightly strapped today, recording this on a Saturday morning, and it's feeling slightly strapped, so that was an incredible challenge today to create this episode, but I needed to soldier through and create the episode for my audience, and I hope you are all thankful for this episode. If there's any criticism, um, I'm more than open to discuss that with my with my audience because I feel I'm unable to improve this podcast without criticism without without people obviously identifying problem areas where let's say I need to improve and I need and it's and it's only essential that obviously the audience identify those problems but obviously I I, I identify problems myself so we can improve as a podcast together. Anyway, I think we'll finish up now. Um, thanks for the support with the podcast as of late. It's really been incredibly humbling. And, and, and as you would say, 
enjoying to see new people watching the podcast and viewing it. And all I can say is that I'm incredibly thankful for the support. Um, so I think without further ado, thank you and we'll talk soon.